I said, just as a quick aside here, for those of you who are, are not normally here, um, we're going to be going through um, spiritual discipline of learning. This is, um, we like a little bit more feedback. This is not the same as, you know, this first service. Um, so as we go through this, we'll have periodic breaks for questions or feedback, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts, experiences. Um, that's a big part of what we do here. So anyway, Today we're going to be tackling uh, learning as a spiritual discipline. Sometimes we may not think about learning as a spiritual discipline, but Whitney argues in his book that it is, and I think he makes a convincing argument. Um, and we'll talk about the uses and the necessity of learning. However, as a brief warning, we have to start off knowing that learning is not everything. We're talking about the head and the heart. I just say that as a as a brief um, guide and a brief warning to us, because as James, <clears throat> as James um, instructs us, even demons can have perfect theoretical knowledge, head knowledge, perfect, okay? You, you can have extensive knowledge of the scripture and it not be, um, <clears throat> and have no passion or heart for God. This is a danger that we must uh, guard against. That being said, we are created in his image, in God's image, with heart and mind. And scripture has a lot to say about uh, the mind of believers. We start off with uh, the greatest commandment, Mark twelve thirty, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So again, the scripture speaks about the mind quite a bit. A wise Christian desires learning. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So again, the heart is important as is the mind. And we'll touch on this later, but the Christ-like transformation that believers undergo involves the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12, 2. So the scripture speaks to the mind, um, the head, as it were. So I have kind of a, a question for you guys. I have my opinion on it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is our modern culture more based on the head or on the heart? What do you think? I think this has, has implications for how we, um, the strategy we make to approach disciplining our mind for learning. The world we live in, is it all science, reason, or is it all feelings? What do you think? Heart? Is anyone brave enough to wait for a microphone? Ow. Sure. No. Um, you know, I agree in the final analysis, it's probably the heart, but I would, I would also say that, to a large extent, people think they're pretty smart and their reasoning is based on their head and their knowledge and their science. And, of course, a big uh, problem with science today is it's not really science. It's, it's throwing that term out there to use it as whatever they want it to mean to fit their... their uh, ideological uh, uh, viewpoint. So mm -hmm. um, true science is, 
is another one of those things that is fastly, dis, you know, fast disappearing. Um, so in the end, it comes back to their heart again. But it's interesting how they couch it in, in science and, and in mm -hmm. the, uh, the head. Mm -hmm. So certainly there, there is, there are facts, there is that focus, but as we can see, that can be corrupted at times. Greg, well, I apologize. Steve, you, were, you had it first, didn't you? Go ahead, Steve. I like your easy questions. Uh, is it this or that? The answer, of course, is yes. And, you know, we have an imperfect understanding of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So then we massage it with our minds. So we're always taking what we learn with, from science and then making it fit what we want it to fit. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it mostly reflects our heart. That's good. That's good. Um, there, there is that dichotomy as well. I agree. Greg. In biblical times, we, we're, we understand that uh, people couldn't wait to hear differing views of things so they could broaden their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Today, sadly, we live in a time that people insist upon uh, areas where no one is going to uh, tell us something that we don't already know. We, we want to be, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> Okay. Okay, I think I have it. <laughs> we live in times when people insist upon safe areas where they don't have to listen to views that uh, differ from what they have already concluded. Yes. Yes, I think the confirmation bias is strong today. And, and uh, that's, that's one of the things, my own personal thoughts on this is the... Um, the part of our society that says, I don't want to hear things that challenge me so much as I want to hear information or facts that make me feel good about what I already believe. I, I think that part of our society is undeniable. Um, so yes, and everyone take a good look. When you've got the mic, a uh, pictorial user's guide. Simeon, thank you. I don't know where you came up with that, but uh, I want everyone here to know it wasn't me. I, I spent all last night writing that question, Steve. Um, anyway, so, so okay, moving on here. So clearly both of these, both the head and the heart play elements in our, in our modern culture um, today. Um, but while we should guard against just, just cold, passionless knowledge of God where we know but don't care, or, 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 or understand but don't desire. Um, the knowledge of God and His truth are of critical importance to Christians. Um, I, some knowledge of God is very important at the beginning of a Christian's walk with Him, the, the, the conversion. There's a great uh, passage in Romans, Romans 10, 14, how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? Which is just a way of saying that, that some knowledge about God and some knowledge of the state of man is necessary so that, can man, so that um, an unregenerate person can understand his or her plight. And um, the problem, um, if we don't know about the existence of God, about the breaking of God's law and the need for reconciliation, if we don't know about Christ and His uh, crucifixion and resurrection and that need for repentance, these are foundational to the beginning of a Christian life. 
Um, and I, I threw in a quote here by Jonathan Edwards I really liked. It is impossible that anyone should see the truth or excellency of any doctrine of the gospel who knows not what that doctrine is. And I think that's, that's fantastic. It just, it, we have to know some of these things so that we can see their worth, so that we can see their, ba- uh, their beauty and their value. And, um, and as we talked about in Romans 12, there's a separate part. There's that knowledge at the beginning of a Christ-like walk, but there's also the continued spiritual growth that occurs, that sanctification and growth that happens over the life of a believer, of which our study is primarily interested in. And that continued spiritual growth requires renewal of the mind, which does not happen without that continued learning. So have you ever noticed, you ever seen a Christian who, who's not a new Christian, but they don't, they're not really interested in the learning part. They're kind of like, I'm comfortable, I know the basics, that's good enough for me, I'm comfortable right there, I believe I am saved, I believe in God, I have the basics down, have for a while, and I'm good there. Has anyone known someone like that? Has anyone ever fallen guilty, you know, felt perhaps themselves convicted that that was you? Um, I've known people like that, and... Um, that's, that's a dangerous spot to be in, but we could contrast that. How about a new believer? How about someone who's known Christ for a month? What is, you, what is the, the, the usual stance of the brand new believer on learning about God? Someone who's been a Christian just for a little while. Where are they at in their search for Christ-like knowledge? Donna, no? I was just gonna say, I, I, thought, I thought your question was, uh, when you're a new believer, I, I just think back when I was a new believer and how excited I was, and I just was telling everybody and mm-hmm. reading my Bible and everything, mm-hmm. and I keep thinking, I just wish I could get back there. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because you had tasted what is good. You'd seen the beauty in, in, you know, in God and in the Word, and you were pursuing it actively. Um, I think that's a fantastic thing. I think it's something... Anyone else? Yes. Christina and... Go ahead, Christina. Well, in the uh, form of a question, um, I know you said like that one state, like say if a person has been a Christian for a while and then they don't grow any further, um, I think I heard you say it was dangerous, and I agree. Would, would you say that could be like a sign that maybe you might not be a believer because shouldn't you have a desire to study God's word? I think that a desire for God and to grow in the knowledge of God is part of being a believer. And there are passages in Scripture that give a warning against, you know, idleness and wasting time and um, that if you're not growing, you may be, in fact, falling away. Um, I wouldn't paint with a you know, complete br- uh, broad brushstroke on that. I would certainly say, though, like you said, that it could be a warning sign if you just have zero interest in knowing more about the God who has saved you from you know, your sin and has provided eternal salvation that, um, that is uncharacteristic of a Christian, I would say that. So that's a good point. Yes? Um, like Donna said, I remember back to when I was a newer believer and had, yeah, just a lot of enthusiasm, you know, a lot of interest and, in, you know, just learning all this new things. But I remember like there was this transition point, kind of like with Daniel talking about how 
you know, good godly believers can come to different and opposite opinions mm-hmm. on things uh, because there are some things that the scripture just doesn't give us, you know, black and white, here's the answer to. And there are some things that are really difficult to understand that you could take, you know, what the Bible says and you could really come to different conclusions looking at the same passages, um, you know, just throwing out like infant baptism or some oh. of those kind of reformation type doctrines. Um, eschatology end times mm-hmm. i remember getting to some of those discussions and coming from like a new believer learning a lot of the basics and then going to some of those deeper more intricate discussions mm-hmm. that had you know you could read books and books on what people talked about and still not really grasp the answer or come to different conclusions in someone that you might be close to and i was like this is really hard like i kind of want to go back to the easy stuff and just not mess around with those complicated mm-hmm. things but you can't live your life that way. You can't just stay on the easy stuff forever. You have to grow and learn and tackle those difficult topics. Mm-hmm. And I remember some, you know, heart checking of that's kind of a selfish motive for me to want to just stay where it's easy mm-hmm. and comfortable and not go where God wants me to go, where you have to go more on faith and you have to sometimes make decisions um, or you have to realize that there are some questions that you may not be able to just figure out the answer to. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy. Are you planning on going to Hebrews 5? Is that in your notes? Go ahead. No, 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 no. no, no. no. If it's in your notes, no, I'm no. going to shut up. I might get there, but I'm also a little behind, so feel well, free. Well, just tying Don't. in with Pristina's question, um, here's, here's the author of Hebrews he wants to go on an extended discussion about the Melchizedekian priesthood, and he's concerned that his readers may not have the stomach or the mental attention to follow, and he writes in Hebrews 5, 11, following, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, you know, I think we all know that the awkwardness when somebody's not growing up. If you've got a Yes. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old who's acting like a child. That's one thing. You got a 30 year old. That's <laughs> something's wrong. Yes. And to Christina's point, what may be wrong is this may be um, the seed sown among thorns or something else is wrong. But definitely a, a non growing, non hungry believer, something's wrong. Yes. Jacob. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, wait, let me look at this drawing here. Okay. Um, is just the, there's a part of all of us that longs for that initial um, <clears throat> passionate embrace of God. But I just think in every new thing, it's always exciting when it's new. It's always uh, just thrilling, you know? And then as you've been there for years and years, it starts to become kind of dull or uninteresting. And to maintain our interest in it takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline. I completely agree. I I think you're you're 100% right. Um, 
and I don't want to cut you off here, finish your thought, but that's, that's where we kind of transition from that early um, enthusiasm to the discipline. And again, that's the part we're going to get to here is, is, is um, we, we still want that closeness. We still want to be seeking that way. But as we transition from our you know, initial conversion, it requires more of that discipline. Was it? Go ahead, Jake. I just wanted to read this passage that, that came to my mind here. Mm -hmm. um, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So just the idea that even though it's hard, we continue to press on and not look back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if Paul had to press forward, certainly we will as well. Yes. Matthew. Um, I just want to piggyback off of Jeremy a little bit. Um, when Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians 3 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. If you were not ready for it, even now you are not ready. If you are still of the flesh, whether it's jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, and only believe in a human way. So it's like, if you're not wanting to grow and you can't handle the solid food, it's really, I think, pretty explicitly in Paul and in uh, whoever wrote Hebrews, is there is an issue. And we as believers should address that with our fellow believers who aren't growing. And if we're not doing it ourselves, should definitely uh, mm -hmm. take some time for some prayer and meditation and introspection on why that's the case. Absolutely. I agree. And um, I, I think those are excellent thoughts, excellent uh, passages, and they, and they add strongly to to the argument of the importance of the knowledge of God. Um, was, there, was there anyone else? Did I miss anyone? One, one thought I had, too, um, we're talking about you ought to be teachers by now, is um, uh, Christians are required to have, their, their, to have the ability, read the knowledge, to provide a defense for the hope that they have. Okay? Um, 1 Peter 3.15. So how... If, if we are the kind of Christian who's comfortable, not growing, which again, as we talked about, is an issue for many reasons, how are we going to answer questions about, well, you say you have this hope, you say that you have this truth, this transcendental truth that you believe on, it's transformed your whole life and your whole purpose is focused on this truth. Tell me more about it or tell me why you think that or tell me how it works. And if we haven't, you know, built up our knowledge and spent time learning about it, how are we going to be able to provide a, even, you know, an even basic level of uh, answer to that, those questions? So that's another reason I think that uh, knowledge of God and His truth is critical in the uh, lives of Christians, which brings us to the, the discipline of learning. Um, this is a great passage. I won't read it, but in Job 32.9, um, simple experience, read age, is not a guarantee of knowledge, okay? Just because you've been around for a while doesn't mean you know. And, and, and certainly the Bible speaks of wisdom and age. It speaks of def, you know, you know, deference to wisdom and age. But you can be old and be foolish. You can have been a Christian a long time and not know, okay? You can waste time and lose time. Learning is like a muscle. As Christians, we ought to flex that muscle. Um, there are people that, that I know um, who I would say have uh, accumulated some basic knowledge about Christ and biblical things, 
by being sort of accidental learners. They, they, they're, they're here on Sundays, they hear things, um, or maybe, you know, and occasionally, you know, just as though by accident something will pop in that they grasp hold of and hold on to. That would, I think Whitney categorized that as sort of accidental learning. We're talking about the difference, the discipline to be an intentional learner, okay? Um, and, and it is effort, it is work. Um, Paul spoke about it, it's a great passage, the, the work that it takes. But it is a discipline, it can be developed. Um, and I think that Christians ought to do so. Um, it's part of our maturation in Christ, it's part of growing up. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. We want our minds to grow up in Christ. We want to have answers as we grow to those harder questions. And as we lose that initial enthusiasm, we want to replace it by calm, disciplined work that our Lord can use to um, bear fruit. Um, as a parent, um, one point that, uh, that really spoke out to me is, when it comes to the discipline of learning, we provide an example for our children, one way or another. Um, there's a quote from the book. These parents have never learned for the sake of learning, so neither have their children. Learning's a discipline. I, I have a coworker I spoke with the other day, young coworker, and I mentioned about reading a book, uh, something I'd read that I thought was interesting, and I just said, have you read that book or have you read anything about that? She said, oh, oh, Dr. Hopper, she goes, I don't read. My parents didn't read, we didn't read around the house. She goes, I don't read anything much longer than a text message. She goes, we were not readers and I am not a reader. And, and it got me thinking that part of the discipline about, um, because when you become a Christian, that is something new that you are learning. If you're not a reader, you have something else that you have to learn concurrently. You have to learn to read. You have to learn to study. So if, if we could impart upon our children at least the value of study and learning, we have lessened one task already that they have to do. Because if I'm a new believer and, and, and God opens the eyes of my heart and I come to know him and I'm like, now, okay, I, I want to learn more about God. I have that new Christian enthusiasm. Where do I go? And someone hands you a Bible and they're like, read this. And you're like, what? <laughs> this, this, is, this is huge. You know, this is way longer than the worst text thread I was ever stuck on. You know, this, you know the average news article on the internet tells you three minutes, four minutes, 10 minutes. They're telling you how long it'll take to read it because they think if you think it's too long, you might just pass over it and, you know, next thing. So I, we, we want to practice it for ourselves, but also it can be a good example. I'm just, that's, I'll just leave it there. But um, would like to set up the, that that, that desire and discipline of learning and value the learning um, because that is a little bit anachronistic in the culture we currently find ourselves in. Um, and of course, most importantly, Jesus serves as our ultimate example on learning because we have a passage that speaks about how, how diligent he was to that task. And I'm going to turn there and read it for you. It's from Luke. Luke 2, 45, I'll read a couple of verses here for you. 
This is when uh, Jesus' parents thought they'd lost him. And when they did not find him, they, tur- they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers and listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was an active learner about God's word. I mean, he, he prioritized it. He immersed himself in it. He buried himself in God's word um, to, to, to learn so that he could teach. And people were amazed by that. But it didn't happen passively, okay? You see the difference there? It didn't just happen that, you know, he was around enough religious people and heard enough religious things that, you know, by osmosis, a little bit trickled in, and he became a a master of the Old Testament. That did not happen. He actively pursued it. And Christ is our ultimate example, our most important example, should motivate us to take up that important discipline. Um, Any other thoughts on 12-year-old Jesus in the temple? Learning, asking questions, talking. Anyone have any thoughts on that, Greg? Afterwards, it also says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. Absolutely. And then beyond that, as an adult, he went out and taught, and he would go into the synagogue and teach. And Paul carried on that that same ministry, if you will, of, of going and teaching. So not only when he was young did he learn, but he also practiced for us the importance of it by continuing to bring that message to others. Amen. Amen. Any other thoughts on Jesus, the young man? I just think it's a, it's a powerful image and, and something we ought to emulate. Um, and we go from sort of Christ, our ultimate examples, to lesser examples, which I would say like the lives of some of the saints. Um, and many saints who have lived amazing productive lives godly lives that were blessed and fruitful. And sometimes you look and you wonder like, how did you get all this done? How did God use you to do all these things every time I talk to you? Or you know, there's something new, some, you're being a blessing or to someone or God's using you. How did you get there? And I found a quote I kind of liked. I threw this in here for you guys. Um, the discipline of study is what drives my life. People only hear the preaching. That's a small part of John MacArthur. As an example, right? Man who's, we could say John MacArthur has been used strongly by God, he and many other godly people, but he attests the fact that that discipline of study, that that learning is is foundational for for him as a person and for everything he's accomplished. Um, So we have Christ as an example. We could talk about many believers whose lives show, um, show the result of this active Discipline of learning. I gave you guys a a kind of a warning at the beginning. One more warning here because we've been talking about knowledge, the acquisition of knowledge here for a while. We must guard ourselves from any temptation if, if, you know, to stockpile knowledge for selfish or egotistical purposes. 1 Corinthians 8 talks about the knowledge that puffs up, okay? Which means if I go out and I buy a book, and it's, and, it's, and it's deep, it's theological, and I'm thinking no one else has read this book. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna pull this out and impress everyone with a few quotes or some points that you've never even thought about. What good is that to my spiritual life? Not a bit. As a matter of fact, if it's puffing me up, I'm worse off. 
okay? So remember, our goal is godliness, okay? Christ-likeness, and that's the pursuit of knowledge should drive us in that way. It should never be for any sort of um, fleshly reward or to um, assume some sort of superior stance over someone who hasn't read as much Jonathan Edwards as you have. Um, these are just things to be on guard against. Um, now, I almost threw in a question here because I know some of you are going to say like, eh, we don't all have the same ability to learn. Some of us are easier learners than others. Some of us, I, the medical program I was in, I, I met one or two people that everybody there was, was, was a learner. I met a few people who I found were specially gifted. People who would, who not a photographic memory, but really close, gifted learners. Okay, we're not, we don't all learn at the same, and I was intimidated by it, I really was. Um, we don't all learn at the same level, and I would have you say, and I would say that uh, the scripture anticipates that as an argument, and just gets that out of the way by canceling any ability we have to just say, well, I'm just not a learner. 1 Corinthians 26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. We're not in Christ because we're all Rhodes scholars, okay? The Bible knows that. The Bible speaks to that. And the Bible also says that we should be disciplined learners, okay? Whatever level you are, however gifted or not you may be, does not affect the faithfulness of God does not affect the prerogatives we have to practice the discipline of learning. So your level of native ability is no excuse. Um, now we get some sort of like strategies. How do we apply this here? Because we've only got about 10 minutes left. I'm going to move toward the end here. I'm going to read you the list that Donald Whitney um, put in his book. Um, things he mentioned that can help us become active learners. Audiobooks, online stuff, audiovisual stuff, sermons, Bible teaching programs, study guides, dialogues with other Christian Christians, and uh, good books. So th th there's a multitude of ways we could go about this. Um, and I think it's important to remember that learning is an incremental gain, okay? Learning is something that builds up over time, as does our ability to discipline ourselves in it. And, and Whitney speaks about how even if you could just read a page a day, you would, there would be benefit from that, and you would be disciplining yourself to learning. And not only do you now have that page a day that you've added to your knowledge, but you may also, in six months, be able to do two pages a day, okay? Maybe a little later, three pages. As, you, as, as both your knowledge grows, but your, um, the discipline gives you that, you know what, I, I think I can go on a little longer. I, I'd like to do a little bit more. So it's something, it's incremental gains. It's not that you, 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 know, you, you discipline yourself to study and then overnight you're transformed. It's not like that. We think about discipline. We think about those incremental steps and how God can bless that. Um, what strategies, open it up here for more questions, what, what has helped you guys learning? How do you do it? When do you do it? What form does it take? Share with you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ if you have a, a thought 
Um, what's a way that has blessed you in pursuing the discipline of learning for godliness? Matthew. He just aced his test, so this should be good. <laughs> um, just, uh, I do two things that help me. So one, so, so thank you. <laughs> one is uh, every night, uh, just when I read with my daughter uh, the Bible before I go to bed and pray about it, like it really helps just me to retain stuff. And it's good for me as a parent to like, hey, like, I'm blessing my daughter, but I'm blessing myself too. And when I make it a habit just every night getting into the Word with my child, like it's, it's a great blessing for helping me to learn and stay in the Word. It's like just a good habit to be in. And another thing that's blessed me is like Bible time at night. But like when I'm driving to work during the day, or not work, school, <laughs> same thing, kind of. Um, is I'll, I'll play audiobooks. Um, mm-hmm. Like a story of Christianity is what I'm going through right now. I have uh, the listener's Bible that I got. You know, it's just a ESV. And I'll listen to that too. Just on the way on the way to school, it's like a half hour drive. And it's a good way to fill that otherwise empty space with something that like helps bless me and bless my child and the people that. Around me, when just increasing my my knowledge, just using the empty space when I have it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. That's a good suggestion. Also, that's that legacy of learning we were talking about, and I think that's fantastic. You know, you're teaching your kids to learn. Yes, Greg, and then Greg. I'll just amen your fifth point about dialoguing with others. I feel like for me, that's uh, been a good activity to learn and to, to retain and to think through things and understand things better is just to bounce it off of others, especially biblical topics or, or things that you're learning in the Bible. Amen. Uh, Whitney, Whitney spoke about when, he, when he's going to have a chance to have an extended dialogue with another Christian um, and he really wants to talk about theology or maybe it's another Christian who already has acquired a good bit of knowledge, he'll actually prepare thoughts or questions, right? He says he doesn't want to waste his time. If I'm going to get to talk to um, someone who just really has a lot of knowledge, I want to have just a few thoughts so I don't waste my time. I'd never thought of that before. I'd never approached it that way. But yeah, that that's, could be a useful help for us. Yeah, that's very, that is the essence of discipline, is it not? Yes, Greg. Well, this will scare some people, but I think anybody who has ever taught or anybody who has ever led a Bible study or, or, or was in charge will know that they learned more than anyone else uh, because they, they had to sp- spend more time. Uh, they knew that they were going to be asked questions. Uh, so if, if you really want to learn something, uh, volunteer to lead something or to teach something because you're going to be the one that gains the most uh, from any uh, from anybody in class. Amen and amen. I, I think that um, preparing a lesson disciplines you to a kind of study that probably nothing else does. So that's that can be a very useful thing at any level of study. Yes. I think part of it is not being too prideful to learn too. I mean, have you asked your kids, did you know I don't know, zebras had stripes, and they're like, yeah. And you're like, you didn't know that. You didn't even know what zebras were. Right. How many times have you caught yourself in conversations, someone says, oh, you know, and they reference something, and you say, yeah, I did, and you yes. had no idea. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just saying, "Absolutely." You, I, I don't know. That's fascinating. Tell me more. If I don't have the knowledge that puffs up, I can at least pretend I have the knowledge that puffs up. <laughs> of course I've read that. Hasn't everybody? You know? Um, no, that's a great point. Thank you, sweetie. Um, Jeremy. Well, I just say that um, having been a Christian for over 20 years, I'm the senior. If I don't, the discipline's necessary. If I don't make, if we don't make a point of doing family devotions, 
It doesn't just happen. And I, I think sometimes we can pit discipline against spirituality. I want to be led by the spirit. I don't want to be a legalist. Well, fair enough. There is a legalistic way to do your devotions, but <laughs> you're going to be hard pressed to get in any regular pattern yeah. without some measure of discipline. And I'm still chagrined at a week can go by and we haven't done family devos because life happened. Um, and uh, just get convicted about that. So it's not like you reach some level of maturity where all of a sudden you stop needing discipline. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that from someone who's been through seminary. I think that's, you know, that's great to hear and, and encouragement for all of us to do the same. Um, Jacob. Thanks. Um, going off of uh, Greg Sr.'s point, um, the, <laughs> the more active... We can't say elder Greg anymore, so... Right, exactly. The, um, the more active I am, the more I learn. Uh, that's why I volunteered to teach sometimes, because I put, have to put in a lot of work, mm -hmm. and maybe you share 10% of what you learned when you're teaching. So I have to be active like that. Uh, otherwise, well, kind of like what Jeremy's saying, I just sort of drift off into Neverland. So um, that helps keep me working, growing, mm -hmm. is uh, volunteering to do stuff and being active. Mm -hmm. uh, that helps me a lot. Yeah. No, that that's... That's fantastic. And don't be intimidated by the idea of preparing a study. It could be as simple as preparing a devotional for you and your spouse. I mean, there's all levels at which we can prepare uh, a lesson. So I, I, and I completely agree. You learn so much, you learn so much doing it that way. Greg, younger Greg. <laughs> <laughs> to, to piggyback off of Greg the wiser and Jake the not on stager, um, I would say that Another thing that helps with learning is is learning alongside learning. So as someone who leads small group and leads other things, um, my week can be filled with just approaching my, my learning time in that direction, but to also continue to have, as, as Pastor Jeremy said, family devotional times or, or personal, devotion personal devotion times, that helps in my experience to aid the learning that is happening and the growth and, and thinking through that is happening in, in, in another sphere um, where I'm preparing for teaching and for you know personal edification the the also Bible time that I or Bible intake as Donald Whitney calls it that happens outside of that is aids the learning that happens in that direction is what I'm trying to say like the just the intake of God's word in in one sphere helps the learning of God's word in another sphere I, amen. And I just think it's so important that that helps and, and that that as even as we grow, that we do maintain that humility about learning and we do remain teachable I, 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 and that we tie it in with devotional stuff. I think it's great. One quick note here. This wasn't so much from Whitney as it was just from me. Um, when I say when I say study and we pursue these things, I think of a great Spurgeon quote, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Okay. Don't, if, if you are someone who's read the, the most obscure, um, the most obscure uh, theological works, if you're someone who is, you know, powered through a lot of commentaries, but it's been weeks since your Bible got opened, you know, guard against that. That's just as a guideline. Make sure we're 
that, that you're in the Word regularly and not just um, supplemental stuff. Yes, Jonah. Yeah, I temporarily turned it off. Anyways, um, let, it just kind of occurred to me that the God's word in Psalm 1, 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So it's just right there. It's just like, yep. blessed is the man who does this. Amen. We should be disciplined. We should study God's word. Um, and just got a thought down here in front. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Hit me. It was. Uh, it. I think one thing. Um, several years ago, before we moved out here, just one reminder: is you're looking out for these new resources and looking at books. Um, a lesson that I kind of learned the hard way is just make sure you're reading quality stuff because there's a lot of stuff out there Amen. that has Christian messages to it, has Amen. Christians overtones, but when you get right down to it, it's just uh, self-help. So. Amen. I think it's important to make sure, and if, if you need help, obviously reach out to the elders, other people in the church, make sure it's that's a great, be doctrinally That's sound. a great point, Jamie. Thanks for bringing that up. Whitney even mentions it, and, and, and if, if you're not sure about a book, you could vet it by the author. You could run it past uh, one of the pastors, the elders, just be like, what's the content of this? Is it good? Because, um, you know, you look through Christian literature, there's so much there that, like you said, has that varnish of Christianity, but underneath is just worldly wisdom. My cousin, once when he was about 14, back when they studied the Christian bookstore up in Des Moines, he went up to the cash register. I'm not joking. True story. Um, he walked up and he, he, he told the, the poor woman behind the register, do you guys know you sell a lot of heretical stuff here? <laughs> and I was like, um, poor, the poor woman, you know, what was she to say? But it's true. There's a lot of bad stuff out there, so we should pay attention for that. And... Um, last Sunday was Reformation Sunday, so just... Um, as a way of bringing this all together, um, think about the Reformation, and we think about how the original text of God, God's Word, being locked up in the Latin and locked up in the Greek, totally inaccessible to all but a small percentage of society. And imagine not being able to read it. Imagine not being having access to it. Either you, you know, it's in a language that you can't read. You could hold it. You could literally hold the Greek manuscript in your hands or the Latin Vulgate. You could hold it right here but you had no idea what it said. You're, it's right here, it's right in my hands, and I'd like to know more about God so I could grow. Thankfully, we don't live in that world anymore, but, but even that skeptical rogue Mark Twain once said, a person who won't read has no advantage over one who can't read. So I hope this encourages you guys. I hope that, you know, you give some thought or maybe some prayer time to practicing the spiritual discipline of learning, that we'd all be active learners to be more godly. Any other closing thoughts, guys? Thank you so much for being here today.